Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is Sunny Side of Sports. Right here on The Voice of America. Voice of America! Forty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the March 6th edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. Voice of America! The Voice of America is once again a proud broadcasting partner of the Men's Basketball Africa League, or BAL, which tips off its third season on March 11th in Dakar, Senegal. The VOA will be broadcasting the BAL games on radio in five languages, English, French, Bambara, Portuguese, and Kenya, Rwanda. BAL President Amadou Gallofal tells VOA he wants to see the league continue to show growth especially on the basketball court. At the end of the day, we're looking to improve the product on the court. The quality of basketball on the court is what we want to see continue to improve. We've seen tremendous improvement from season one to season two. We are looking to build on that momentum for season three. Season three tips off with a game between local favorite A.S. Duanes of Senegal and debutante ABC Fighters of Ivory Coast on Saturday, March 11th at the Dakar Arena. On Sunday, March 12th, the BAL action continues at the arena with Rwanda Energy Group playing Quara Falcons of Nigeria and Stad Malian of Mali meeting defending BAL champion U.S. Monastir of Tunisia. Quara Falcons and Stad Malian, like ABC Fighters, are making their debuts in the Basketball Africa League. Sporty greetings. This is Aziz Belo, Secretary, Quara Falco Basketball Club of Ilori Quara State, Nigeria. You are listening to Sony Side of Sport on The Voice of America. Season 3 of the Basketball Africa League is here. Starting off in Dakar from March 11th to March 21st for the Sahara Conference, then heading to Cairo from April 26th to May 6th for the Nile Conference, and the excitement continues to build in the finals in Kigali from May 21st to May 27th. Tune in and follow the BAL on The Voice of America. This is the voice of America. Washington, D.C. Rivers Hoopers Basketball Club, based in Port Harcourt, Nigeria, qualified for the first season of the Basketball Africa League, but did not qualify for the upcoming 2023 season. In an interview with Iron Mike Mbonye, Rivers Hoopers head coach Ogo Odaudu says the BAL has been a big boost to African basketball development. The Basketball Africa League has been one of the best developments uh, for African basketball at the club side level. You see, the the dream of every team now, every club side now, is to qualify for the bar and go and play in the bar finals. Uh, 
Of course, which other opportunity will you get back here in Africa to get the number of MBA scouts, agents, and whatnot who come who converge on Africa every year for the Basketball Africa League to showcase their talents and to show the players that they have and all that. So it's a good thing for African basketball. It's a good thing for club side basketball. And uh, it can only get better. It gets better by the year. It gets bigger by the year. I'm just wondering what it will be like in the in two or three years down the line. Of course, it's going to be something close to close to the NBA because of course, of course the NBA has a lot of stake and a lot of interest uh, in the Basketball Africa League. So all in all, I think it's been a great great development and kudos to the organizers. Your team, Rivers Hoopers, took part in the inaugural season of the Basketball Africa League. What was the experience like for the team? Well, Rivers Hoopers, of course, took part in the inaugural edition. Uh, but, of course, we didn't get to go and play in qualifiers or play in the different conferences like the other teams are doing in the past two seasons. Of course, because of the COVID uh, lockdown that year. So all we did was just go and settle on one venue in Kigali and we played all our, all the group games there and then the first four qualified to play quarterfinals, semifinals and finals. This is a lot, lot more exciting sure, because you have to go, you, you have the opportunity to correct yourself, you have to play matches and do all that but we didn't get the opportunity. But it was a good experience for the River Super team. We saw how basketball was played and organized at the highest level. We saw how teams prepared for for seasons and all that so it was a good it was a big big thumbs up for us it has dramatically changed our team we don't see things in the same light anymore and of course any team that goes to and plays in the ball of course will not see will not see things in the same light as they used to see it because everything is done at the high level it's just a fantastic thing and i hope i hope that teams will learn from whatever it is that they get from there coach do you think the Basketball Africa League have assisted or contributed in raising the standard of the game in Africa? Oh, oh yes, the ball has definitely assisted and contributed in raising the standard of club side basketball in Africa. Uh, you can see the way the teams in Africa play basketball now. It's You can actually compare it to, to teams in Europe and all that. So it has definitely, definitely contributed in raising the standard of basketball. Uh, we all need to give Kudos to the organizations of the basketball, to the organizers of the Basketball Africa League, and of course we we owe them a lot because they have certainly developed club side basketball in Africa. All teams now want to be number one in their various leagues at home, and to be number one, of course, you have to put in plenty of work, put in plenty of resources, and all that. So, all that is due to what they stand to gain at the end of the season where they qualify to play in the Basketball Africa League. So, whether knowingly or unknowingly, I don't know which one of what it is, but of course, Basketball Africa League has contributed in the development of basketball in Africa. That's Ogo Odaudu, the head coach of Rivers Hoopers Basketball Club. And Coach Odaudu spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Port Harcourt, Nigeria. This is Colonel Sam Amedu, retired, President FIBA Africa Zone 3. You are once more listening to Sunny Side of Sports on the Voice of America. Thank you very much and have a good day. Hi, this is Larry London, the host of BOA's Border Crossings, where we feature music and interviews along with your favorite artists from around the world. 
Tune in and interact live with us here in Washington, D.C. Hello, Shirin. Hello, Larry. How are you? Good. How are you tonight? Border Crossings comes to you Monday through Friday at 1500 UTC GMT. That's Larry London, a man who's always ready to cross musical borders. I'm VOA Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. You can follow the sunny side of sports on Facebook, Twitter, and at voaafrica.com. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. My Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. And if you go to voaafrica.com, you can listen online to the sunny side of sports and other VOA programs. And you'll find much more at voaafrica.com. Check it out. Prince Nesta says Egyptian football star Mo Salah had a big match over the weekend for Liverpool. Sporty greetings, Prince. Sporty greetings to you too, Sunny. Egyptian talisman Mo Salah scored twice to help Liverpool secure a sensational 7-0 win over Manchester United at Anfield. The 30-year-old broke the club's record for most English Premier League goals scored, surpassing a record previously held by Robbie Fowler, who netted 128 times in 266 English Premier League appearances. Dutch wing of Ghanaian descent Cody Gakpo, Darwin Nunes, and Roberto Firmino also registered their names on the score sheet as the Reds condemned Manchester United to their worst ever defeat since 1931. Salah discussed his record-setting goal. It's very special, I can't lie. This record, this record in, was in my mind since I came here. I think after my first season I was like always like chasing that record. Uh, so I get it today against United with that result is, is unbelievable. So yeah, I'm, I'm going home, celebrate with the family and have uh, chamomile tea and sleep. Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp also assessed his team's performance. No words, spectacular football game, eh? outstanding. The start of the game was already was really exactly what we needed. It was super front foot, super lively, super active, played top football. Uh, against the team in form and um, then first half got a bit wild in a way we didn't want it and they came a bit got a bit of foot into the game and then we scored this incredible goal late in the first half incredible what a pass what a finish so fantastic yeah and second half um, obviously the start was pretty good the finish was pretty good everything was pretty good yeah that's football, and it can happen. How I said before the game, um, United plays the super season. We are not really happy with our season so far, but that doesn't mean anything for the game because you still have to, to play this one. And today we were a clear better side for this moment. And we got very important three points for us, so feels good. Manchester United manager Eric Ten Hag also shared his thoughts on the match. First half was decent, um, um, except at the last five minutes, but we make one mistake in organization and then we all wandled down and then in the second half uh, um, we can turn around it we, uh, we bounce more often back but uh, the other way happened and we conceded two goals from counters and then the team fell, fell out of each other and that's not uh, acceptable and we have to stick together you have to do your job 
and that is what we didn't do. That's Manchester United manager Eric Ten Hag assessing his team's performance following his team's loss against Liverpool in the Premier League. English wing of Zimbabwean descent Rice Nelson scored a stunning last-minute winner to ensure Premier League leaders Arsenal secured a 3-2 comeback victory against Bournemouth at the Emirates. Ghanaian midfielder Thomas Party and Ben White also netted for the Ghanaians, while Philip Billing and Marcus Senesi both netted consolation goals for the Cherries. The Ghanaians lead the standings with 63 points, while Bournemouth remain in the relegation zone with 21 points. Arsenal manager Mikel Ateta assessed his team's performance. Incredibly happy. It was, it was just mad. Um, those feelings of happiness, joy and, and a, a result that we fully deserve to, to get. But uh, it was in a really special way and uh, it took till the last second to earn it. That's Arsenal manager Mikel Ateta discussing his team's win against Bournemouth in the Premier League. French footballer of Ivorian descent Wesley Fofana scored his first Premier League goal for Chelsea. He secured a 1-0 win against Leeds United at Stamford Bridge. Fofana ended Chelsea's run of 396 minutes without a goal to help ease the pressure on under-fire manager Graham Potter. Chelsea remains 10th despite the win, while Leeds are 17th and a point above the relegation zone. Chelsea manager Graham Potter shared his thoughts on the match. Well, I'm really pleased with the players uh, and the supporters because um, we've had to suffer. We've had to um, endure a really tough period. So it's nice for them that they can they can experience a win. Um, of course, we want to do better. Of course, we want to play better. But I think the circumstances that we've been in and um, the run that we've had, I think the the, the, the result, the, the victory, the three points, the clean sheet is um, is really important for us. That's Chelsea manager Graham Potter discussing his team's win against Leeds United in the Premier League. Phil Foden and Bernardo Silva both scored to help Manchester City beat Newcastle United 2-0 to increase the pressure on Premier League leaders Arsenal. City are now second with 58 points, while Newcastle remain fifth with 41 points. The Citizens manager Pep Guardiola shared his thoughts on the match. First minutes they were better. We struggled to make a build-up. We make some changes in the during the game, the first half. And after the brilliant action from Phil, we, we had the game in our hands. We didn't suffer, but the first minutes, the second half was good. But after we lost the game, and Bernardo helped us to come back. But That's always the threat of them is uh, is not a surprise. The reason why final the, the Carabao Cup, like in many minutes, they were better than United and the position that they are all the season. So... This team, this club in the next years will be a, a real threat to, to fight for the for the titles. That's Manchester City manager Pimp Guardiola discussing his team's performance against Newcastle in the Premier League. Spanish wing of Malian descent Adama Traore also netted his first Premier League goal since October to help Wolves register a 1-0 win against Tottenham Hotspur the Molinex Stadium. Moving on to the French League, seven-time Ballon d'Or winner Lionel Messi scored his fifth goal in five matches to help Racing Germain secure a 4-2 win against Nantes. The Argentine legend has now scored 12 goals and registered 12 assists in 20 French League appearances so far. 
Alpha this season. For instance, of Cameroonian descent Kylian Mbappe also surpassed Uruguayan star Edinson Cavani as the Parisians' all-time top scorer after scoring his 201st goal. Sid Kolasinac scored the win as Marseille beat Hene 1-0 to record a seventh consecutive away win in the French league, while French midfielder of Tunisian descent Wissam Ben Yedder scored twice to help Monaco secure a 2 all draw against Troyes. Reporting for the sunny side of sports, I'm Prince Nestor. Thanks, Prince. Samson Omale joins us now with some African golf and African athletics news. Rosemary Wanjiru of Kenya won the Tokyo Marathon a World Athletics Platinum Labour Road Race on Sunday. Wanjiru won in a new personal best time of 2 hours, 16 minutes and 28 seconds ahead of Ethiopians Gamichu Sihei, who came in second in 2 hours, 16 minutes, 56 seconds, and Ashata Bakere, who took third in 2 hours, 19 minutes, 11 seconds. Wanjiru had earlier indicated that she would be using the race to vie for a place in Kenya's marathon team for the World Championships in Budapest, Hungary in August. And now to Uganda, where Martha Babiri claimed her maiden open trophy at the Entebbe Ladies Golf Open. Martha maintained her three-stroke lead with a total return of 143 in two days. The reigning Uganda Ladies Open champion Babiri has now won most domestic competitions there is to offer on the ladies' front. I am Samson Omale in Abuja, Nigeria. Thanks, Samson. Africa's top-ranked women's wheelchair tennis player, K.J. Monjane, says she's going to do her best to win one of the world's most famous tournaments this year, Wimbledon. In this sunny side of sports feature profile, Darren Taylor tells us how K.G. lost the 2021 Wimbledon final to a wheelchair tennis legend from the Netherlands. Dide de Groot's dominance in the sport of women's wheelchair tennis is undisputable. The Dutch woman has been world number one in both singles and doubles for years. De Groot is a 33-time major champion, winning 17 titles in singles and 16 in doubles. Khotatso K.G. Monjane's path has been very different. The current world number eight has made five Grand Slam finals since she began her career at the age of 19 and lost them all. Still, she's immensely proud of her achievements. I joined wheelchair tennis in 2005 while I was doing metric at school. You know, I was forced into the sport, actually. I, I enjoyed playing wheelchair basketball and table tennis, but I was just forced into the sport because it was the new sport on the blocks. Every school wanted to have representatives, so at my school, they just, you know, because you do everything, just go, go, go. First time I picked up the racket, I don't know, I fell in love with the sport. Monjane was born with congenital disease. When I was still in the, in the home, the embryo got damaged and attached itself to some of the body parts, so it hindered development in some of the body parts, like my leg wasn't well developed, some of my fingers not well developed, my right leg not, like it doesn't look like a normal leg. Monjane, however, considers herself lucky, as her parents always believed in her and enrolled her in a special needs school from the age of six. There... 
teachers and therapists helped her believe she could go far in life and that she wasn't really disabled at all. That made me better as a person and it made me settle very well in that environment. And uh, I mean, the school I went to, that's where I really, you know, settled very well and I was introduced to this different sporting code and that's why I'm here with you today. <laughs> in 2018, Montjane became the first black African woman to qualify for all four Grand Slams and to play at Wimbledon. But sponsorship funds were so tight that she had to leave her coach behind in South Africa. There wasn't enough money for two air tickets to London. Going into Wimbledon, I thought it was going to be my last tournament. So I had to go in to make the most out of it. I went into Wimbledon thinking I just want to have a good experience because I never played on grass before. I didn't even have good preparations on grass. I only played the day before. I didn't go there with the intentions of winning first round because I never played on grass. So, Amazingly, having only had a few hours of practice on grass and without a coach, Monjane reached the semi-final. Although she lost, she says the 2018 Wimbledon journey saved her from retiring early. No, it opened up doors for me as, a, as an individual athlete. After the whole Wimbledon story, when people hear my story, I had a couple of people who were interested in helping me out to get to the U.S. Open. That was last year, when she lost the U.S. Open quarterfinal to her friend and doubles partner, Yui Kamiji of Japan. It was another setback, Monjane acknowledges, but this year she's ready to fight again. She says every time she pushes herself onto a court, she's convinced she's going to win. As she puts it, if I don't believe in myself, who will? I believe I will soon be a Grand Slam champion. For the sunny side of sports, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg. Thanks, Darren. And let's give a sunny side of sports salute to KG Montjane in her quest to become a Grand Slam champion. This is the voice of America. Washington, D.C. Now let's go to Uganda, where a young man is inspiring visually impaired people and helping promote the sport of blind football. In this encore sunny side of sports feature presentation, Magume Davis Rakawinge tells us more from Kampala. Sporty greetings, Magume. Sporty greetings to Tusani and our listeners. As a little boy, 24-year-old Muzaffar Jagwe used to love sports and football in particular and was an integral member of his class team until he lost the sight at the age of seven. He says most of his peers start to despise and discriminate against him, at times calling names Castle, which means one-eyed man. He did not lose hope in the game that he so much loved and promised himself would participate in it directly or indirectly sometime in life. After he graduated with a bachelor's degree in business computing from Makere University in Kampala in 2019, Jagwe took it upon himself to start a blind football team. He was actually overwhelmed to find out that many, just like him, want to rekindle their lost life in the sport of football. With the game of blind football not so common in the country, Jagwe used the available resources. 
Starting the gold ball, but wasn't easy for use because of its hard surface. Its hardness and heaviness and be it being big, it's made from rubber. So you, when you, you strike it on the wall, they easily get broken. Unlike these normal foot, the footballs we use. That's how we, I began. But later on, I started researching and then reaching out to people, organizations. And that's how I, I, I got in touch with the international Blind Football Foundation. The International Blind Football Association donated him 10 balls and eye shields. Blind football is a form of football for athletes with a partial or total visual impairments. It consists of two halves of between 20 to 25 minutes and a 10 minutes break with each team allowed a timeout of a minute. In order to avoid collusions, players are required to say "voy" or something similar when going for the ball. The game is played by five players on each side. Four outfield players and a goalkeeper. Outfield players must at all times be blindfolded, but the goalkeeper can be someone with sight. Yeah, however much they are blind, they always have some levels of, of sight. For example, somebody can see shadows, somebody, somebody can also see shapes, can understand shapes, and some can understand that it is during day, during night. That's why we cover them, to bring out that thing of fairness. The game doesn't have throw-ins and there's no offside rule. The pitch could be cement, grass or artificial turf, but the playing area must be between 38 to 42 meters long and 18 to 22 meters wide. At Macquarie University Rugby Grounds, they convert at least twice a week to hone their skills in the newly found game, blind football. One of the players here, Abraham Okundane, says the game has helped him improve his self-esteem. I've got many friends and film somewhere <laughs> because uh, I've received several interviews like maybe on Wikipedia TV and uh, these other local TV stations. So okay, many people came, uh, they asked me questions, how do we play? You know, they had that love for adventure towards the way we are playing. Yeah. That, okay, there's that in advice gives them that disability is not an ability. Teammate Alex Osborne, Yekorach, agrees. It has brought that hope uh, in my life that I can still play again. So I, I find it so interesting. We were missing a lot. Uh, what, what the other worlds were doing, but in Uganda we were missing it. Spain is considered to be the pioneers of the game that is fast growing worldwide and is competed in national leagues, championships and Paralympics. Brian Chiyinji, an assistant coach here, says, has learned virtues such as tolerance and patience working with people with sight impairments. For them, they don't want to be forced to do something. You have to make them to love something so that they can do it very well. Yeah. Vike Kwagara, a volunteer here, says she's inspired seeing people with sight impairments engaging in a game. The energy they put in in playing the football, the love, is through very cool. Yes, it really motivates me a lot, seeing those boys running up and down to kicking the ball. Player Nyakoraj says he's very determined. He says he hopes the game of blind football will take him places. I'm not, not playing just because of training and and just stopping here in Uganda. I want to reach those top level, uh, com level of competitions like Paralympics. Like currently I'm training and I have a hope of playing in the Paralympics of 2024, which is going to be in Paris in France. Another player here? Rashid Semakula also has big dreams. I hear in Brazil, they are blind footballers in Brazil, France, where, where. So I want to also like 
to go somewhere far. Hmm? I become a profession also. Because I can complete those guys outside. Jago Muzaffar agrees. He says he believes his team has the ability to match the rest of the world and bring home world championships in Uganda and promote the game on the African continent. My boys are better than any team on the African continent. We, we, we haven't even just gotten the opportunity. Even Europe, even Asia, all over the world, we are better than so many teams. We just have to get a test. Brazil are record champions with five championships and are followed by five South Americans, Argentina, who have two out of the seven championships. With two gold medals, Belarus also dominate the game for the partially sighted, also known as B2 or B3, followed by Ukraine and Russia with one apiece. Japan remain the lone winners of the ever women blind championships to ever be held in Vienna, Austria in 2017. With no proper funding, Jagwe depends on his family support and friends to promote the game. Another challenge here is that there are no pitches for the sport, but he says he wants to relent and continue to promote the game that may help his community socially and economically. Football is an alternative that we can rely on and then we can push on to solve mental health issues for people with vision impairment, to solve inactivity, to be proactive in the communities. For the sunny side of sports, I am Mugume, Davis Rwakarinjini Kampala, Uganda. Thanks, Magume. And that wraps up the March 6th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA Sunny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports. I get it.